Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with a fresh-faced new guest, Sean Patrick Cook, to talk about the song Wearing a Raincoat Off of the Spine. Wearing a raincoat is flying around in a plane made of a raincoat, but when you think What's up, Sean? How you doing? Man, glad to finally have you on. I feel like we've been interacting on uh, the, you know, the TMBG circles of the internet for quite a while now. I do hang out a lot on those particular <laughs> circles. You pop up on, uh, they might be shitposting quite a bit. You're, I'm one of the mods, dude. You're, you are one of the mods. Okay. I know I saw, I mean, you contribute a lot to that. A lot of posts on there. I didn't realize you were a mod. Um, since day one on that. Oh, no, no. I've been uh, probably about two years now. So you but, earned uh, your way around on that site. to mod. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. One one meme at a time. With your quality content. <laughs> <laughs> and my and my responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> my senior Gen X sensibility. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go. Um, responsibility and shitposting, those two... Words do those go together? Sur- <laughs> surprisingly so, because people get riled up, man. You gotta calm them down. <laughs> I know. I, th- I thought we we you guys started that to to get away from riling people up. Isn't miscellaneous tea is where you go to get riled up on Facebook about <laughs> Team BG opinions? Well, I think that uh, out of those two communities, it really embodies the two different ways that you can be a fan. Right? You right. can love something reverently. And that's miscellaneous tea, or you can love it irreverently, and that's they might be shit posting. And uh, when those when those two things blend, you you do get some friction sometimes. But right. uh, the same person can can love it two different ways. It's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of crossover, and, and one of my favorite things that happens a lot lately is um, people basically on they might be shit posting making memes out of stuff that happened on miscellaneous tea, like taking oh, yeah. someone's post and then just like parodying it a million times. We love, 
and and people will just we get love confused. the copy pasta right and they'll just get confused because they don't know what the original is yeah. I'll see. I'll see, anytime I don't understand something on TMBS, I immediately go over to Miscellaneous T and start scrolling through the last day. Be like, all right, what did I miss? Yeah, there was a pretty good one not too long ago uh, regarding the show, where some guy who just stumbled onto the show and listened to like, you know, twenty episodes oh, yeah. or something, like just some short thoughts on <laughs> Greg's show, and then listed like thirty notes, and then I don't know if it was. Uh, Gur Samuel first that that parodied it. I think he was the first one to parody it over on probably ship posting group. And I'm like, oh my god, this is <laughs> what what have I become? I'm being <laughs> both criticized and then my criticisms are being memed. I don't know what's going on anymore. What is the internet? <laughs> A snake eating its own tail, an Ouroboros. Exactly. Yeah, man. So, um. Tell people a little about yourself and what you do and where you're in Virginia, correct? I am. Yeah. I've lived in Richmond for about five years now. Uh, kind of came from all over, grew up in Memphis, lived on Long Island for a while, spent some time in DC, but, uh, yeah, work is, has basically taken me all over the place. Mm. Uh, day job wise, I do master data management, but that's no fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm also a writer. Yes. I, I do short stories and books and, and things of that nature. So, uh, dovetailing that into the uh, the music angle i'm much more of a lyrics guy actually when it comes to uh they might be giants music as opposed to just the music so that's yeah. one of the reasons why this particular song attracted me yes i'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because this is a weird ass song um, it is a weird <laughs> ass song hey tell people though about uh so you've got uh, a book out there that people can uh purchase indeed i do uh, yeah, it's on uh, the, the Amazon.coms and uh, Never heard all of, of that kind of stuff. And what's it called? Uh, well, it's a They Might Be Giants reference, as a matter of fact. It's uh, from, uh, oh, what album was that on? Uh, uh, trying to think. The Spine Surfs Alone, I think. Uh, so the, the name of the, uh, the book is uh, A Magnet to a Flame, uh, which is just a line from that song that I always particularly enjoyed. Hmm. Magnet to flame. And um, okay, I, th- I think I need to tell this to look at books because it's giving me all these magnets here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I might have done well choosing a different title, really. There you go. Yes, there it is. Okay. Very nice. Oh, $9.99 on paperback. That's uh, it's a good deal, people. It's a deal. Go ahead and grab it. It's a steal. And you're working on something right now, yeah? I am, yeah. It's a novel I've been working on for about the last 10 years that uh, I'm on my third complete rewrite of it at the moment. I'm about three quarters of the way through that. Uh, I, I keep getting towards the end and being like, no, this thing sucks. I have to start it over again. <laughs> oh my and I'm starting, to, I'm starting to feel that urge again, and I'm trying to fight it because I'd oh. like to have a finished draft. But uh, one of these days, it'll get done. Yeah, I keep seeing your uh, Facebook posts with your... Uh board of um i don't know what what, what would you call that i just i mean i'm not a long form writer so i got one index card to uh for each scene and uh they're color coded according to the point of view and then i have uh smaller little cards that i kind of hang on it uh in order to uh remind me the specific story points or character moments or things like that that i want to include in that scene and i can rearrange them if i need to so that uh hmm. i can kind of map out the entire book in front of me at once nice nice 
yeah, you can see part of my process going on here behind me. This is uh, I can, yeah, outdoor velour album. That's I mean has definitely hit a speed bump with the uh, pandemic and all that. But uh, been slowly checking off boxes. You got the song titles and then all the the instruments that have been recorded thus far. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I finally uh, committed a board to being a recording checkmark board by putting tape down instead of just drawing lines oh, for the grid. That's a commitment. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's that permanent tape that doesn't come off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a mistake that can't be remedied except for about $9. <laughs> Got the special skinny tape in all different colors. I was like, yeah, um, I'm going for it. This is going to be the recording whiteboard. Yeah, the set list whiteboard will have to be a different whiteboard because this <laughs> one's the recording whiteboard. Oh, okay. Well, so your first uh, episode here. Mm-hmm. So you need to tell the folks about uh, your TMBG fandom. So, uh, so I was born in 1978. So I bet we could probably say on the count of three where <laughs> I first encountered they might be giants. Milk in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was uh, it was Tiny Toons, believe yeah. it or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, but there's a twist to it, and I wanted to tell you about this. So uh, here I am. It's 1991. I'm 13 years old. I'm sitting down right after school, going to watch me some Tiny Toons. I see Istanbul, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, this fucking slaps. I, I didn't say that. That was 1991. Yeah, that was not the terminology then. Whoa, this is totally rad, man. Uh, so, that, so then I hear Particle Man, and I like that even better. Like, whoa! And then the commercial break comes on, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gunning for it. Let's go! And my mom comes in and makes me turn off the TV to go do my homework. Oh. So I was convinced for over a decade that there was another They Might Be Giant song on that episode that I didn't get to hear. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and of course, this was not a time that I could like go on the Tiny Toons message board and find out what I missed. No, I had to watch the show to try to get the episode to play again, and it never did. I never caught that episode on live television again. Uh, you were looking in that, that paper, the TV guide, looking for the rerun. I don't even know what the episode was called, you know? So uh, it was about 2002, 2003, uh, kind of in that Kazaa era of uh, streaming that i'm like you know what i should do i should find these songs uh you you couldn't like find entire album downloads at the time and it took like 30 minutes for each song so uh i found four i found four they might be giant songs i found istanbul i found particle man i found dr worm which by the way i was convinced was the third one because you know it (laughs) it would have made a great tiny tunes video sure Uh, and then the fourth one was uh 88 lines about 44 women because this was 2002 on kazaa and everything that wasn't weird al was they might be giant so (laughs) yeah so i was convinced that that they might be giant song for uh about a year and it wasn't until uh home star runner see i got on both on ramps yeah uh it it wasn't until experimental film that uh i really got into them i'm like but they're still making music. These these guys are serious. So I, I picked up the phone and I called a record store, which is another very old fashioned thing to say. <laughs> uh, and they had the spine. It had it had come out at that point. Uh, so I went and I bought that, and I bought Apollo eighteen at the same time. And they just sat in my car for uh, for a couple of months after that. So uh, so yeah, I have great affection for the spine. Out, out of the two, that was the one that I liked a little bit better, hmm. uh, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you, you know you never forget your first love. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, Apollo 18 was the first one that I bought, and that's the one that stuck with me. It, it, it mm-hmm. tends to be how it goes with uh, most bands. 
uh, that I get really, yeah. really into. Yeah. Well, I also find that like there's that moment, especially if they've been recording for a while, like you almost divide it into two eras. There is the first one and everything after that. And then there's the everything before it. And I still feel like the spine is a big watershed moment. And it's not really not for the band itself, but for me, it felt like it was. Sure. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean the big. Uh, I mean the big thing about the spine would be it was for the first album with Marty. So I mean it was the first album that cemented the lineup that is still, you know, the current lineup. So many years later. So, wait, wait. So I was right. It was a watershed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and um, yeah. Part of of you wanting to come on the show was to uh, you know rail on me for my thoughts on the spine that I've made known in previous episodes. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm trying to write it with the world. I've been doing so many spine episodes lately. I did, you know, within the past couple months, I've done experimental film spine and mm -hmm. spines and now this, so this will be, yeah, I think in a two month span, this will probably be the, uh, or two and a two and a half month span. Maybe we're getting mm -hmm. four spine tracks. So, I mean, you know, I'm giving it it's due. It's not like I'm ignoring it. Like poor. Why? Oh, I am I am recording a Y episode in a week though, so it'll be the first excellent first Y episode. So yeah, so 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 give it to me. What? Uh, <laughs> let me hear all well, air your grievances. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're 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 not wrong. You're just mistaken. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean and and okay. So you listen to Mink Car and you're expecting Mink Car too. And you didn't get it, mm -hmm. and I can understand that that uh, that kind of frustration. I've I felt that before with uh, you know other bands as well. Uh, I think one of the things that's most distinctive about They Might Be Giants is that they're always trying to do something different creatively, uh, sure, musically, lyrically than than what they've done before. And when you think about the two major projects that they had just before the Spine. You had Mink Car, which was just all over the place musically. Mm -hmm. And then you had their first kids album, No, which was thematically very, well, kid friendly. So if you're trying to distance yourself from those two albums, what do you do? You do something that instead of being all over the place musically is actually fairly coherent. And in fact, I would say that The Spine is the most coherent album that they've put together yeah uh, i would agree with you there both thematically thematically and musically i mean you, you you have songs that you know lead one right into the other or even blend together this was an album that was designed to be listened to in that order i would say just based on the way that they mixed it and that's different than stuff that they had done before mm -hmm. and then thematically you know all of their kid ideas went to know and everything that was left was like death, suicide, <laughs> paranoia, anxiety, hatred. <laughs> but you know, fun. Yeah, but but fun. But uh, you but know, fun. cheery, melodic, singable. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's that you know those sing singable hateful anthems. You know, so I would say that w whether you like the spine or not, I feel like they successfully achieved what they had set out to do. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're definitely in agreement there. It is. I would definitely agree that it is their most cohesive album. Mm -hmm. And with, I think, any, any, uh, almost any other band be like, that's a good thing. 
But with the <laughs> Giants, I'm like, what? I'm like, no. It's like uh, Dylan Baldy from Cloud Nothings, who was on the Spine Spines episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it's what he said. He's like, this could be like another band. Like we we were in agreement on where's the weird stuff. And the, do you like the, black olives on your pizza? No. What if you had a pizza that had black olives on it and you picked them off, but then you bit into one that you didn't find? Like, it's a good pizza, but then there's that one bite that you're just like, this doesn't belong on a pizza. (laughs) Well, it it does to people who like black olives, you know? So, yeah, it could belong to another band, but it belongs to this band and it's part of it. It just happens to be a part of it that you're less fond of, you know? Yeah, you know, and it's not that... um... I'm not fond of what's going on on the spine because there are, there's so many bangers. And this was, I feel like, when they really settled into this, um, or not settled in, but kind of discovered this uh, power pop uh, angle that they had. Mm-hmm. Stuff that I that I, I proposed a long time ago that uh, Flans discovered on See the Constellation was like his mm-hmm. first, he's like, whoa, I could just write this pretty straightforward rock song and just knock it out of the park. And then Mm -hmm. they came to some notoriety with Boss of Me doing a very similar thing. And Flans especially was like, okay, this is kind of my wheelhouse now. And... And Linnell could all, you know, he could, you know, he started, uh, you know, doing that same kind of thing too. And they're just like... So yeah, I mean, it probably was a conscious effort for the both of them to just be like, let's harness this thing that has brought us mm-hmm. some fame fairly recently and uh, see what we can do with that. And I mean, there's not many individual songs on the spine that I dislike. I mean, there's very few, they might be giant songs as a whole that I dislike. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, um, I mean, yeah, it's just having them all together. I miss that variety. Like, by the time Stock of Wheat comes around, I'm like, oh, thank God, Stock of Wheat. <laughs> you got a weird one. <laughs> Give me that tuba. <laughs> it is a great song. Yeah. And, and I think I'm the one guy that really likes all the weird vocal effects, like on Bastard Try to Hit Me and stuff like that. For most people, mm-hmm. it turns them off. But to me, I'm like, yes. I'm like, if they aren't going to do any weird voices like they used to, at least they're they're fucking their voices up in some other way. That I yeah, you know, I dig that. And there's there's some yeah, of that yeah. we can talk about in this song too. Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah. Very deliberate, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if it started on the Memo to Human Resources episode or what, where people started giving me shit about talking about the spine like that. But it's it's like there's so many good songs on it. I think, you know, we're in complete agreement about what the album is as a whole. And mm-hmm. just for me, you know, for you, that's that's a positive, and for me, that's I mean, it's a slight negative. I'm not like it's not like I never listen to the spine. I listen to the spine a right. lot, and that was a big one for me too. Is first album that came out after I got out of college and had my own place and all that, and could rock uh-huh. the music as loudly as I wanted. Uh, so yeah, it holds a special place for me too. Um, so why did you pick wearing a raincoat? There were a fair amount of spine well, tracks still left to pick. I think when. Uh, when you jumped in there. Yeah, I think that uh, for me, wearing a raincoat is just the one that has the most meat on its bone, lyrically speaking. Or the, just, it's, it's got a lot of corn on its cob, right? There's a lot of sink your teeth into uh, for that one. And it's just, it's got such a story behind it. And it's one that I feel like seems very obscure and then just comes clear uh, when you think about it in a particular way. And I like that. I like the songs that 
dance around the topic without ever directly mentioning it. But when you finally see what's in the center, it just all pops together for you. Well, then and, maybe uh, you can help me see what's in the center because uh, I have no fucking clue what's going on in this song. <laughs> it's, 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 it's about a nightlight. It's about a nightlight on your wall. I and think all of the songs really and it's watching over me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a great example, though. I mean, you could listen to Birdhouse thirty times and not think about it in terms of it being a nightlight. But somebody mentions that, and suddenly, like every line points back to it in a way that you're like, "I get it now." Right. Hmm. Hmm. Well, if uh, I mean, if we want to uh, buck tradition on the show and talk about lyrics before we talk about musical elements, we could do that if you'd like. Let's do it, man. Okay. Let's go crazy. We're go- <laughs> Let's go crazy Broadway style. <laughs> so, yeah, I was looking over and over these lyrics uh, mm-hmm. the past couple days and just like, I just like, I, I could, I felt like I could make some stretches, but for the most part, I was just like, man, mm-hmm. this is just a stream of consciousness song, just like where you... Each little stanza gets to a ridiculous or almost nonsensical part, and then the next stanza latches onto that and goes from there, mm-hmm. and it just keeps making these kind of, not a logical progression, but kind of an illogical progression, or, or just kind of a bizarre progression. And then I made the mistake of going and looking at the interpretations, which just was like, I don't, you know, on the on the wiki, and... Yeah. I don't know if that was even, you know, that was probably not a good thing to do. Um, but I was like, I don't know. I'm totally lost. So I'm like, I hope, I hope Sean's got something here because yeah, no, I'm, I'm lost. So, so what do you make of this? Uh, so have you ever have, first of all, have you ever done what the song describes? Have you ever gotten a coat or a raincoat and put your arms in the pockets and spread them out and then pretended you were flying around like as a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. Have you ever done that as an adult, like in the middle of a busy street or something like that? No, I don't think so. Well, and if you did, chances are somebody would look at you and be like, oh, oh yeah, he needs help. We got to take care of this guy. Uh-huh. You know, you might need a friend to talk you down, for example. <laughs> uh, so my read on this is you've got a guy who has basically had a psychotic episode and he is receiving treatment in the hospital and getting drugged with antipsychotic medication. Mm. That is my thesis statement. Okay. Now, let us find evidence to support it. <laughs> no, he's getting he's getting food that comes from a pipe. That's an IV, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I just uh, wasn't, you know, it, it was funny. Someone in the interpretation is like, it's a hamster. <laughs> you get the little hamster water bottle <laughs> with the little... Not so that comes out like a little pipe. <laughs> can I can I change my answer to hamster? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a hamster receiving treatment and a psychotic break. It's about a psychotic hamster. The man thinks he's a hamster. <laughs> now it really is a weird no. song. <laughs> so <laughs> seriously. Harvey. Harvey the wonder hamster. Yeah, exactly. Harvey the psychotic <laughs> hamster. But no, the guy hates the food that comes from a pipe. You know, he wakes up in a hospital, he's got an IV in his arm, he tries to yank it out. What happens? Well, they give him a sedative. And what I like about the the turning to drugs to help you sleep part is that the music follows the lyrics. And I feel like that's something that throughout the song, you, you get a lot of that. The the guitar falls away and you've just got the bass, you've got the drum, you got, a, I guess, a little bit of synth in there, but it calms down. Uh, at the same time that uh, that you're you're turning to drugs to help you sleep, but eventually you're going to wake up, 
And what happens when you wake up? Well, your problems are still there. You know, it's a gateway drug to being awake again. Mm-hmm. Getting sedated is not fixing the situation. And let me just well, say, that is just a great happens. line in general, or great lines yeah. there, that, that sleeping is a gateway drug to being awake. <laughs> well, and what I love about that is that sleep is a way to try to escape from your problems, but all it does is lead to more and bigger problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, sometimes like if there's something like that I don't want to do the next day, you know, I, I end up staying up later the night before because I'm like, mm-hmm. God, the sooner I go to sleep, the sooner I'll be waking up and have to do that thing. And what? And one cool thing is under the being awake, being awake part, you've just got Linnell screaming in the background. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> so you can tell exactly the way he feels about the being awake again. And that was in the demo version as well. So the, the very earliest version of the song still had that uh, that in there. And I think this is probably the TMBG clock radio version that would have come out in 2003. Let's go ahead and listen to this here demo. part it's pretty close to the studio version um though i do like how much grittier the guitars are (laughs) big fan yeah the uh the the final album version the the guitar it's i'm I'm not going to say it's an unpleasant sound but it's very driving it's the sort of thing that you if somebody is like getting their roof replaced in your neighborhood and you just hear that hammer banging kind of all day on the studio version yeah, I mean, it's just a bang, 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 like that heavy one, two, three, four beat the whole time. Yeah, it's a pretty simple strum pattern, but I'd say I'd say this uh, demo one is more abrasive than, uh, I, I mean, the tone on the uh, studio version is more of a jangly tone, but it is strummed pretty aggressively, for sure. You have vocabulary to describe this that I do not, so yeah. I will defer to you. But we'll, we'll get to more of those, those musical elements, <laughs> but yeah, so he already had even a lot of those... You know, those uh, background vocals you said that emphasize the point mm-hmm. of the lead vocals already in place on that, that demo. Yeah, and the same vocal distortion in the uh, swimming around in the lake of undead and uh, demanding constant attention stuff. Oh, uh, God. That's all in there. Yeah, A lot that, of the, those, the echo. The robotic the vocals. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like they were fully harnessing the digital age of recording 
on this mm-hmm. album, especially well, Lin- Linnell going for those robo effects. It's very much in in this song in service to what it is that they're talking about because you've got somebody who's waking up and they're kind of dissociated from reality, right? They're mm-hmm. uh, everyone around them. They're in a lake of the undead, so you're kind of moving slowly, and everyone around just seems not quite human somehow. Yeah, which again, it's, it sounds ward. like you know this this dude is drugged up, right? Right, uh, and then. You know, everyone is trying to talk to him. Hey, are you okay? Here, let me check your pulse. I mean, they are demanding constant attention from him, and he's just getting more and more dissociated from reality. Uh, it's the part of the song that I think of is, is where the party goes upstairs, uh, because if you listen to that, it's almost like they're recording it from the next room over. Like there's a party in the apartment upstairs, and you can hear that bass thumping. And, you know, you know people up there are probably having a good time, but I'm not. <laughs> You know, I'm not a part of your party, but it's just kind of thumping and distorted in the background. Yeah, man, I like that imagery because to me, I just go to like, okay, what what did they do on the recording? Well, they're doing a, a filter sweep or what you might call a flanger effect. On I don't think I would ever call it that. The Yeah, the, the drums and the bass where it's just, it's taking the high end out of it, which makes it mm-hmm. sound muffled like you were saying. And that part I love as well, those little production tricks mm-hmm. and then the robo vocals come in and that's it's uh yeah it's my favorite part of the song for sure it's very cool and then and then the whole thing kind of cycles right i mean now you've got the same first verse but but mutated a little bit uh you, you need your mind for later on now and you turn to drum but you play the drums to help you sleep like it gives the sense that this is something that the problem isn't going away uh, it isn't getting fixed. And in fact, in some ways, the cure, which in my theory, it's the antipsychotic medication, has side effects that are worse than the the disease itself, right? Because, uh, you know, what is it? It's a friend that comes at a price. Well, mm-hmm. that medication is mm-hmm. the friend that comes at a price. Uh, it's helping you, but it's also hurting you and it's it's preventing you from fully engaging in the world, which in a sense is represented by the freedom of that raincoat that you can fly around in can't fly anymore the freedom of mental illness (laughs) so is linnell anti-medication or what (laughs) well and uh, i think one of the themes of the spine is trying to resolve the dichotomy between a person and the physical meat that makes up their brain right Mm. the spine as it were yeah uh there's so many songs that seem to be about the things that our brain does to us and then trying to resolve. But if it's our brain doing it to us, isn't it us doing it to us? Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I think that's probably truest with, uh, I can't hide from my mind, which is oh. really to me, the thesis statement of the entire album. And it's all about that reflexive acting on oneself. Like, you know, what am I doing? So this song to me is like, sometimes your brain breaks but in order to fix it, it breaks in a different way. And I don't necessarily think that he's saying that that's good or bad. He's just saying that it is. Yeah. Yeah. He's saying that brains are fucked up thing. Nobody fully understands them. Yeah. Mental illness is a bitch. It's man. Yeah. The brain in general is just a pretty incredible thing. And, And yeah. And sometimes it, uh, works against you. And so many They Might Be Giant songs going all the way back to the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. Pretty common themes. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you did it. You 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 explained <laughs> it to me. That's uh I think we put a put a cap on that. We're done. All right. See you next time. So <laughs> and, I, I, I had I needed to talk about the hamster first. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's a bunch of people kind of touching on stuff like that in the interpretations, but in much 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 less uh coherent ways than than you just did. Um But yeah, to I mean to me it was just like there's so much random stuff or seemingly random stuff mm-hmm. going on, just like you said, he's dancing around it. That just like I was having trouble pinning it down. I'm like, it's a Linnell song. It's got to be about depression or some sort of, you know, <laughs> it's either about someone getting hurt physically or emotionally or mentally. It's like that's what ninety percent of Linnell songs are about. A lot of what seems random from the outside, I feel like whether we will ever understand the process of where it got there or not it came from a single place of inspiration that then went into these directions. And all we can see is the directions that it went to that is kind of fossilized as the song was finished. We're not there for the creative process that very rationally presented these things to us. And I think some songs you can kind of reconstruct it like uh, with birdhouse in your soul is the, the example I always go back to or, or some that even make it explicit like, uh, you know, I am alone in the three-part folding mirror in the bathroom door. If you didn't have that line, if you just had the rest of the song, you'd be like, what the hell is going on with this guy? You would never be yeah. able to reconstruct that it's just a dude talking to himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. The song gives us that, but if when it doesn't, you either have to try to figure out how to reconstruct it or just accept it for what it is. But I don't think lyrics are ever really random, except maybe like an On Earth My Nina or words are like you know one where it's mm-hmm. just really about the randomness right yeah see but that's the thing him him throwing you know some of them out there is uh being mm-hmm. stream of consciousness kind of things you're like well maybe this one is too i don't know and you know you know neither of the johns like to explain their lyrics pretty yeah. much ever um and yeah be, <laughs> so what's the song about it's it's another one about mental illness guys okay it's just you know it's like <laughs> quit well, oh that one oh that is too <laughs> well as as a writer i don't want somebody to ask me what my stories mean because the stories tell you what they mean and if you didn't right. get that out of them either i did my job wrong as a writer or you did your job wrong as a reader right and i think that the reluctance to explain what it means is kind of missing the point stop trying to look through the stained glass window to see what's on the other side just appreciate the stained glass for what it is it is its own finished communication to you as the mm-hmm. listener yeah and i think you know i've i've seen that a lot with uh guests guests coming in you know talking about a band they love so much and then saying they're mm-hmm. not really a lyrics person it's like you're basically just enjoying that stained glass as being you know a beautifully mm-hmm. constructed thing without necessarily mm-hmm. knowing you know how the person made it you know, and like with this song, like I was mm-hmm. somewhere thinking, you know, not totally off track with what it was about. Um, and just kind of, you know, for the meantime, just enjoying the the cool little couplets mm-hmm. that we get and just also just enjoying just the, you know, this band that I love for singing about bizarre things, mm-hmm. you know, and not just putting it right out there on the surface. And you don't need 
you know, explained, you don't need an explanation to be able to enjoy it. And what I like about the lyrics are that there's more to think about than, you know, a Daft Punk song, for example, that will tell you the same thing 87 times. <laughs> uh, and it's very, very surface level. Around the world, around the world? Uh, around or, the world, or maybe around I'd like to get lucky. I don't know. Maybe I'm <laughs> yeah. going out to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, another song that Weird Al has improved upon by making it a polka. Amen. Okay, so we so we started talking about some of the musical elements um, mm-hmm. in how you know it's another thing that the Johns both do that I am envious of is is basically coming up with the music and the lyrics at the same time. Like I'm the kind of songwriter mm-hmm. that I get a musical inspiration first and then. Mm-hmm. I'll make my wife write the lyrics later <laughs> or, <laughs> or, you know, I'll write something and she'll make them a lot better. Um, but like the, I mean, one of the prime examples that um, comes to mind with this is the, the lyrical and musical coherence is um, bells are ringing mm-hmm. because it's just such a chiming sounding song. That's about these yes. uh, bells. I mean, you know, not really literally, but like the, the lyrical content and the musical content is just right in line. And yes. that's something I'm very jealous of. And this one, um, I mean, how do you make a song sound like a raincoat? Well, like it's more like little yeah. bits along the way, like you're saying mm-hmm. where the, um, you know, Linnell screaming in the background or like I was saying, the part where the music gets that gets all the, high end filtered out and it sounds like mm-hmm. you know something from another room um and the robotic voices like could be you know this person not really understanding what's going on um you know the the attendants right they keep asking for attention they keep checking on him and it's just turning into some sort of blur in his mind um mm-hmm. but i think one of the things overall i was thinking that the uh, the musical vibe of this song reminded me of when I was listening to it this afternoon, it kind of clicked that it's, it, it feels like a magical mystery tour era Beatles song to me. Okay. Where, um, they weren't fully into like the weirdest elements of, you know, revolver or, you know, Sergeant pepper, but they're starting to hint at it. Um, while you're still getting a lot of the early Beatles stuff, like the, just like the real nice jangly guitars, you know, simple guitars, nice chord progressions, um, you know, nice mid tempo, you know, toe tapper beat, uh, mm-hmm. you know, simple Ringo beat. Uh, but then they start hinting at these little psychedelic flourishes. Like you're like, there's backwards guitar in this song, which mm-hmm. is super cool. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, unless, all I could think of, all I could think of when you were saying that is that revolution nine would have to go on. Here come the one, two, threes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they god they should have done a pastiche that would have been cool but i don't know how much kids would be into sound collages actually they, they'd probably yeah. they probably you know kids probably like that kind of thing i remember liking that song uh when i'd hear my dad play it as a kid just because kids are weird kids like weird kids, stuff. kids are weird yeah. yeah but yeah there's i mean unless but i'm totally the, being fooled guitar you were saying yeah unless i'm totally being fooled by a, a weird keyboard sound um there's these little flourishes that come in and then it ends the song ends with a solo that is, I'm you know, 95% sure is backwards guitar. Um, and some little ways you can tell is you can hear some kind of fret noises when 
like there's a slide going down you can hear it's not a smooth uh transition down you can hear the little fret noises as it goes down uh and it's turned backwards because you're not hearing that distinctive picking sound it's more like you know sweep into the picking noise reversed into the the attack rather than the attack being the first thing you hear so that's super cool um, then when you get to the, let's see, I think it's on the turning to drugs to help you sleep part where, yeah, like the guitars kind of strip away a little bit. Linnell's keyboard goes to this almost kind of, um, like there's no specific Mellotron sound, but a lot of people think of this flute type sound. Mm-hmm. Like again, like on the beginning of strawberry fields forever, um, his keyboard goes to this look kind of, whoo, 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 kind of calliope or flute sounding tone, mm-hmm. which remind me a lot of that you know, that psychedelic era. Um, and then they bring the kind of modern effects in when they're doing the filter sweep and the robotic vocals and all that kind of stuff. But again, it's these, it's, it's little touches. Like the whole thing isn't a robot. The whole thing doesn't have filter sweeps, just like these little bits kind of reminded me of that, you know, magical mystery tour is not touted as one of the Beatles greatest albums, but it's one of my favorites to listen to because it hints at weird stuff without being acting like it's, trying too hard you know <laughs> i get that well almost in a, in a in a transitional sense between you know an older way of doing things and uh, and a newer way i could see that the spine being between i mean if we just uh, you know over like the kids albums for a bit you know mm-hmm. just being between mink car and uh the else which are both pretty mm-hmm. bizarre albums you get their little um yeah, you get their magical mystery tour right in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing is that the spine is really one of the shortest albums too. Like it is thirty-six minutes long. If you set aside the kids' albums, the only ones that are shorter are uh, Long Tall Weekend and Escape Team. Oh wow! Like it is, it is a very t- and uh, it's a very tight album. And uh, wearing a raincoat is the longest song on the album three minutes and 10 seconds which is not long yeah, i mean you're you're talking about uh, almost 10 percent of the runtime of the album is wearing a raincoat <laughs> yeah there's, man, there's only two songs over three minutes wow man yeah that didn't dawn on me that uh yeah it's these these power pop songs these are the hit it or quit it songs i mean they've always been known for mm-hmm. short songs but this is yeah that's really man it's not like um I think uh, Factory Showroom was them at their most long-winded. I mean, we had songs, you know, mm-hmm. up around the four-minute mark pretty consistently on that album, which is like, geez, dudes, wrap it up. But this one, pop, man. Pop it's that like, on the uh, <laughs> the turntable and go to the bathroom while you're waiting. <laughs> uh, so what, um, anything else about, uh, I mean, I talked all about my favorite musical elements of this one. What else, uh, what are your favorite things about this, you know, if, if, if you took the lyrics away, if, if someone made an instrumental version of this, hmm. what do you dig about it? That's a great question. Uh, it's, it is a song that has its own chapters, in a sense. It's not a structure where, you know, you play a verse, play a chorus, same verse, same chorus, same verse, same chorus. Hey, here's a little bit of a bridge. No, it, it feels like it is written in these phases uh that makes it an interesting journey to listen to Mm -hmm. yeah i would actually say that this this song doesn't really have a proper chorus 
And mm-hmm. it's not so much that uh, there aren't lyrics that repeat. I mean, there are those little bits that repeat, but um, there's not really. I mean, I think one of my gripes with this song is that it doesn't really land in like a huge, catchy moment. I'm not think, saying the song isn't catchy, but like it doesn't mm-hmm. have that huge like apex where you know no. everyone would be singing along. That one, you know, there that, is no hook. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was thinking about yeah, if, like some some songs I'll come across, you know, chip tune or other instrumental covers. Didn't find any for this one, but I was just mm-hmm. thinking that like I love Linnell melodies, but I think there's some kind of weak moments in this song. Um, like if you thought about, but when you think of that to hurt your mind and you'll need a friend to talk you down, uh, the melody would just be da na na da na na da na na na. And there's really not right. much there, right? Mm-hmm. But one thing, to, to helping helping out John there is Mr. Danny Weinkoff with the, the amazing bass oh, lines yeah. in this song. Mm-hmm. And someone has tabbed them out on the wiki, which I haven't, I haven't uh, like tried playing along with it. I probably couldn't. Um, but the, the bass tab is incredibly long, and that is because he doesn't recycle stuff like at all. There's these little cool bits that like will come in in the second stanza and you'd be like, Oh, those will come back again later. We're like, Oh no, he did something else cool that time. So even though this vocal melody keeps going, you know, over and over the bass part is different every time. And I'm, I'm looking at the cool. page on the wiki right now and just kind of nodding at it in the same way that I would if somebody <laughs> like had the hood of their car open and I'd be like, mm, yes, that's that sure is a carburetor in there. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Right, right. You got you got some hoses in there. I, I think the hoses yeah. look good. Right. That's a, that's a lot of numbers and uh, a lot of hyphens. <laughs> yeah, and you can just see like like Danny's thing is 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 being up high on the fretboard almost like the entirety of of songs, and you can see a lot of that. I mean, there he spends a lot of time up in. 12, 14, 16th fret, way up there. These real high, melod- I mean, he's adding counter melodies to spots where I'm saying, oh, that vocal melody is a little weak. He's adding some counter melodies in there to, mm-hmm. to help it out. And um, do, you, do you play any instruments? Back in uh, middle school, I played the drums. Oh, hell yeah. That was in 1990 through 1992. So you could say I'm a little rusty. (laughs) So, yeah, like for about 10 minutes before we uh, got on the phone here, I was looking at the chord progression here on the wiki and tinkering around on my piano over here and trying to figure out what the Mm -hmm. hell is going on. It's listed as D major, but then the first three chords, you got D, then you got an E, which in the key of D, an E should be an E minor, and then a B, but a B should be a B minor. So in the key of okay. D, he's, he's breaking out of the key on the very on the second and third chords. Just seems bizarre. But then as I went through, like I couldn't figure out any better key to put it in. I'm like, well, maybe it's in G. Oh, no, but then we get a C-sharp in there. That would be in D. But then, I mean, it's it's just like another thing I'm jealous of with Linnell where, I, I mean, I came out of 
school, you know, with my music education degree, and I had mm-hmm. taken all these theory classes and stuff like that, and had learned about, uh, you know, composing music, and I'd learned all the rules, and then I had a lot of trouble breaking the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it's like a lot with writing, too. It's like, you know, I really had a hard time getting outside of a key or you doing, you know, an accidental. But in this song, mm-hmm. it's like they're all over the place. And then there is, it almost seems like a key change on the demanding constant attention part. So, like, the song has both B majors and B minors, E majors and E minors. And it's just, it's, I mean, I guess, you know, for lack of anything better, it is it kind of tiptoes around the key of D major. But it breaks out of that very often without sounding bizarre you know which is bizarre yeah i mean you're not getting this like crazy you know frank zappas type sound where it's like oh man there's some really complicated stuff going on here you don't Mm -hmm. like until you again the car metaphor until you look under the hood you don't realize how complicated it is Uh i have no idea what's happening in here (laughs) (laughs) so again uh you know tip of the hat to Linnell, not his strongest melody in this song, but mm-hmm. another fantastic chord progression that I can't make hide nor hair of. We talked about all these musical elements, but now let's listen to the boys do it in a little different way. I found a um, John and John duo version of this song. There it is. So let's listen to a little bit of this. This is um, John and John duo at the Music Hall of Williamsburg in uh, 2015. I dig it. Yeah, that's... I like that version. Just the Johns, and they're using a backing track. This is like old school, they might be giant style. Mm-hmm. What it sounds like is, I think it's the the drum track from the demo, I think. The demo drum machine, okay. rather than Marty's drum track. So it seems like to me, I mean, it's a live recording, so it is a little, you know, uh, hard to tell. Um and you still get there's still some other little background elements like the the little the little backwards right. guitar noodle comes in. So there are still some extra elements back, you know, that they couldn't play with just the two of them on the backing track. Um, it's on the accordion live, just to just mix up that 
that texture, and uh, I love it. I wonder. I wonder how they're doing it on the uh, the Flood Thirtieth tour because uh, before that got halted, they were playing that song. That was part of their regular lineup. Uh, the most, in fact, the most recent concert that they've done, which was the uh, the March 9th show at the Majestic. They had they had performed that song there. Huh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, I just I wonder if there are any recordings out there from early 2020 that uh, would see how they're doing it now. Yeah, I mean, I, I searched wearing a raincoat live and uh, found, I think, two full band versions and then this, but I don't think the full band versions were from this year. 11 one twenty. that's no. <laughs> Surely not. No, they didn't play a couple weeks ago. Wait, what? Well, could it could it be uh, like a, a European format for the date? It's in New York, but yeah, maybe that. I mean, yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah, but no, they're doing a full band here. Let, let's assume that's what, what that it is from January of this year. <laughs> but yeah, they're doing a full let's, band there. Let's find out if they did a show. Then I'm going to. This might be a wiki. And uh, 111-2020 at the Bowery Ballroom in New York. Yep. There you go. 30th anniversary flood show. Yeah, maybe it was a, you know, a European that came over. and uh, Or, or just somebody pretentious. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Trying to confuse me. Like, wait, they're playing live again? They play- <laughs> Ten days ago? <laughs> Man. Yeah, so it's not during the quiet storm section. No. Mm-mm. But yeah, this duo one from five years ago. This is cool, and I like how they have the yeah. the projection of the uh, the the real the real tape player in, the, in back of them on the screen. Yeah, they put on a good live show. Yeah, throwback. I haven't gotten to see him for a while. Oh man, yeah, it's been. I just saw him on the I Like Fun tour, and then yeah, let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. Hello, person who probably doesn't already listen to my podcast. Obviously, this podcast insert podcast name here, is phenomenal because you otherwise wouldn't be listening to it. But you haven't heard phenomenality, yes, that's a word, until you check out my podcast, The Dictionary, which you should definitely do as soon as this episode is done. In each episode, I read a handful of words in the dictionary along with their definitions, and I'll often add some of my personal thoughts to keep it a little bit more interesting. It can even be used as a sleeping aid. Episodes are family-friendly and short, about 10 to 15 minutes, and air every single day. So, if you're a word nerd, go check out The Dictionary, available on many podcast platforms. Covers. You went and looked for some covers, too, and there aren't a ton of covers for this song. Um, I found two ukulele covers. Ooh. And... The one I want to play first is two young chaps. I mean, this is from nine years ago, so they're mm-hmm. not that young uh, anymore. Euchre Nemesis, I think is the name of these, these two dudes' little band. Make sure you get to 123 and watch the background. All right. This is Wearing Raincoat by They Might Be Giants, the most awesomest band in the universe, this, this, this universe. Good job, I'm grammar. Alright, let's go. Oh, no. Next. Let's make Universe Man proud. Alright. Let's do this. 
and stands in frame for a while. I don't know. He's like looking in a closet or something. He's just like in the frame and his dad pajama pants <laughs> behind them. <laughs> I love just the, the youthful energy of this. They are just strumming yes. those ukes so hard mm-hmm. and whatever they were filming it with could not handle their volume and it's just like no. so crunchy and they're just blasting out that microphone there and it just gives it so much oomph and I love it. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. Euchre Nemesis. And then, oh, and the, the, do you see the shirt that the <laughs> kid's wearing? I'm looking now. Uh, what is it? I can't tell. He's got a Daft Punk shirt on. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, man. This other U cover I found is quite a different spin on it. This is Electrolivia. Her name's Olivia, I'm guessing. It's Electra Olivia. Bring it on, on Olivia. On the YouTube. a voice for ukulele what does that mean <laughs> very uh, fervent yeah um the recording sounds good i mean this is just from a couple mm-hmm. years ago um yeah i really like the way she switches up the strumming patterns 
mm-hmm. like each time it, it circles back around seems like she does a little different stuff with it but yeah she's not just hitting those quarter notes hard like the guitars are on the original she's adding a lot of little you it's know true. subdivisions in to spice it up mm-hmm. and the song I'm, I'm not sure if she's playing it in the key of the record or not it's a little low for her but it gets like she almost gets kind of like into a talking voice at, at moments but that almost yeah. like fits the vibe like you said like a ukulele voice well you know, kind and of it a struck smooth, me as, more gentle voice like i have and and this is this is not a slam on it i have heard performers like at a public library for kids who emphasize words in such a way so that it you know it makes it easier for the kids to understand and and kind of talks to them almost as as they're performing and i felt some of that coming off of it okay hmm. mm-hmm. yeah but yeah two ukulele covers we got we got a couple young boys just bashing it out and then we got a lady here giving it uh a little more uh you know a little more english on it a little more uh delicacy mm-hmm. you know delicate nature then i've got Maybe this one is one that you found. I just labeled it as Guitar Dude. And when you told me you found two and a half covers, I'm guessing this is the half cover. The one the that guy, he didn't finish it? The guy who only plays him a minute of it. Because the zombies got him. Yes. Wearing a raincoat, TMBG partial, then the zombies got me. This is... Uh, what the hell is the YouTube name here? Du- dubitandum i don't know dub tandem yeah dubitandum yeah dubitandum that guy on youtube yeah playing in his kitchen on an acoustic guitar uh and looking like prison mike <laughs> let's <laughs> let's check that out wearing a raincoat is flying around in a plane made of a Yes, but when you think of that, you'll hurt your mind and you'll need a friend to talk you down. Needing a friend to talk you down is food that comes from a pipe. Yes, but when you hate the food that comes from a pipe, you will turn to drugs to help. straightforward faithful cover yeah doesn't really do anything special with it but it's well played mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's 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 a nice clean sound mm-hmm. yeah it's those kitchen acoustics that's it you know so just the way that sound waves bounce off a, a you know a microwave door you know producers are always trying to fake that sound but you know he's got the real thing. you just need a real microwave <laughs> yeah exactly i think it's time for you to uh score this song all right it has come to that point you must it's come to this score this song five times the square root of two 
Yep, five times the square root of two. That's uh, 7.071068-ish, something like that. I actually have a formula. <laughs> I swear I'm not fucking with you. I actually have a formula. Okay, and you need to explain <laughs> that formula. Okay. <laughs> what are so, talking about? So whenever I, uh, whenever I try to rate a song, I try to think of it both my subjective feeling and, and how I feel that song merits objectively. Right, because there might be a great song that I'm just not into because I've heard it so much, or because it's just it never really struck for me. Or there might be one that I'm like, yeah, this isn't their best work, but I really love it, uh, and I and I want to try to capture that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had given it uh, an eight for my subjective and a six for my objective, uh, which mm. if you uh, square them, add the sum, uh, take the square root of that, and then normalize it to a zero to 10 scale. It comes out to be five times the square root of two. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a first. Uh, in my, uh, I think this will be episode 109. First time everyone, anyone has used that concrete of, uh, math to come up with their score so congratulations i I thought you were a writer what is this what are these numbers Uh, believe it or not i was a i was a math major i uh i double majored in mathematics and foreign languages at uh in college and then uh did linguistics in grad school so damn just all, all around renaissance man over here okay what am i giving this goddamn song um so <laughs> it's tough. I'd like and, you to phrase your answer in the form of a logarithm. And <laughs> see, for me, the things that are pulling me in different directions on this one is like people keep ragging on me for giving the spine shit. But I, you know, I say I'd love the spine, but then I keep giving these scores that are people are angry with. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sell out, man. I'm doing this for me, you know. And I gotta get, I, I gotta stay true to my heart. This song, like I've said, I like a lot of the musical elements. I'm a I'm a melody guy though, and I feel like mm-hmm. the melody on this one is just not there. There's really no chorus in that. You know, I feel like there could have been a chorus hook, even without having to lose any of the lyrical awesomeness. Okay, like I'm fine with the you know the lyrics could change, but give me like that bigger mm, that uh, you know take it over the top. The song never really goes over the top. Um, but I definitely appreciate the lyrics a lot more now that uh, you walked me through your thought process on that. Uh, definitely digging that. Uh, but I think I got to go... I'm going to go... I mean, not that much lower than yours. I'm going to go 6.7. That's fair. Yeah, it's definitely I mean, it's definitely not their strongest song. I like it. It's not one that I would ever skip. But, you know, it's it's not top tier for me either. It's just very interesting. True. Fun to talk about. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. And uh, is there anything else? We We plugged your book. People should go to Amazon and pick up a magnet to a flame. Which has three They Might Be Giants themed stories in it, by the way. Ooh. Go get it, people. Go get it. Um, with Kindle Unlimited, it costs zero dollars. So if you got that, go <laughs> grab it. <laughs> <laughs> or two ninety nine if you just want to pick up the Kindle ebook. <laughs> uh, 
and and your current I'm 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 guessing you couldn't give us a uh, any sort of release date on your your current work in progress being in uh, that it's been going for 10 I'm gonna, years I'm going to and... take I'm going to take a stand and say that sometime in the 2020s it's going to come out <laughs> Ah, I was hoping you'd lock yourself down. You can to, quote to, me on that. To, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on record here. Okay. So, you know. I'm not going to George R. R. Martin this on you. It's okay. To December 31st, 2029. <laughs> I'll be timing. I'm, I'm going to come knocking. Shit, publish, publish, publish. <laughs> Why aren't you compiling faster? I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want people to uh, know you want them to find you on social media or anything come hang out on they might be shit posting we have a lot of fun yeah mod man over here they might be shit posting um yeah i feel like i talk about miscellaneous tea and the shit posting group i'm hoping that everyone who has listened to the podcast has gone and uh, i recently found out that someone did find miscellaneous tea through the podcast and i was very hey. surprised that it wasn't the you know it's usually, i'm like i figured that would 100 percent of the time be the other way around people finding out about the podcast through these facebook groups but uh yeah but there's, I, there's just a lot of really cool people in this fan community and oh, sure. you know we we even do like a uh a, a, a secret santa in december you know just yeah. to you know tell each other how much we appreciate each other's company and i've made a lot of friends that uh you know i talk about non-day might be giant stuff with as well so it's just a lot right. of great people mm-hmm. yeah it's just yeah very nice and interesting uh, uh group of people very eclectic group of people which you know a band that that is mm-hmm. very eclectic you know draws all different sorts of people to it and that's what has made this podcast so much fun. It's just, uh, you know, and I, and I like that I get to talk to a different person on every episode. I mean, I've had a lot of returning guests too, because I've become friends with these people and want to talk to them again. But it's like, you know, I've had, uh, if you include all the Patreon episodes and stuff over a hundred guests so far and, uh, not a stinker amongst them. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Y'all good people. Yeah, and and it's it's fun. I'm glad I picked. Uh, you know, I didn't really know how well it would turn out when I was thinking about you know how the show would work. You know, when I launched it two years ago, um, but I'm glad I decided to not go solo, but to not mm-hmm. fully lock into another uh, you know a co-host, but to just go different. Every episode's different. Getting to know different people in the community and getting their you know different insights on it, rather than you know only me giving my Mm-hmm. input on every single song you know for my one perspective so yeah it keeps it fresh but you keep it grounded i like it so uh people can find uh this might be a podcast all over the place all the social medias um best ways to get into the mailbag segment would be email this might be a pod at gmail uh or to leave a voicemail 224-801-2930 and um if you really like what you're hearing, yeah, the Patreon got a lot of bonus content and uh, swag. I uh, just mailed out a few more t-shirts to people just uh, the other day. And um, I, I just like, I really appreciate everyone listening, whether you're a patron or not. It's just, uh, it's been a blast. And thanks, John, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I will uh, catch you later. Take care. Constant attention.
Please. 